Just bow your heads as we pray. Father God, I asked you this morning that I don't want your people to just have information, but that you will cause a transformation to happen. Father God, in these troubling times, we need you. We need your heart. We need to know your ways, and we need to know how to follow you. So, Lord God, help us this morning. Transform us this morning. In Jesus' name. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the Lord, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Job 14, verse 1. Man who is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Ephesians 6, 12 to 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Revelations 12:11. I'm going somewhere. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of, the test, of their testimony and they did not love their lives. To the death. These few minutes I have with you this morning, I want to talk to you about power to overcome troubling times. Power to overcome troubling times. Derek and Amber, so good to see you all back in church. When I saw you all this morning, my heart leapt. And if you are not in church because of the COVID, you really need to come back because we love you and we miss you. There's something about being in the presence of God among your brothers and sisters. If you really don't have a reason to be at home anymore, we have some people that are taking dialysis. Yes, I can understand that. But if you really don't have to be at home, don't let the enemy pull you away from fellowship. We all know that we're in perilous times. The Bible calls these times perilous times. The end of the end of the end of the ages. We all can see it among us. We all can see it. Christians and non-Christians alike are facing things that are stressing them to the maximum. We are living in crisis, personal crisis, national crisis, the world in crisis. 
And in times like this, we begin to ask God, why are things going on the way they are going on? Why don't I seem to have or see the difference between the believers in terms of the trouble that is being uh, uh, experienced? Why don't I see a difference? Why are believers just like the unbelievers being affected and being attacked? I don't know about you. I have asked God in the last few months, why are you picking on me? I've asked him that question. Why are you picking on me? Why is it that every year for the last seven years, I've had to deal with stuff that almost killed me? Why? And the answer he gave me was that he's stretching me. He's stretching my capacity to get more of him. When you're pregnant with one child, you are stretched this much. When you're pregnant with twins, it goes a little bit more. And if you've had triplets or quadruplets, you are stretched so much that you think you're going to bust, but you never do. The stretching is for your capacity to increase. Amen? And so God says, although we are in troubling times, for the believer, the difference between you and the other person out there, God is stretching you. God is allowing things into your life so that he can put some more in you. God is allowing things in your life not because he doesn't like you, not because he's picking on you. It goes through his hands before it comes to you because God has a purpose. God is not purposeless. When he created you, he said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil. So no matter how evil it looks, no matter how bad it looks, God's plans for you are good. God has an expected end for you. And that end cannot be thwarted by any troubles or any pain that you go through. Do you believe that? The Bible says the Lord in Psalm 11.5, the Lord tests the righteous. But the, viol- the wicked and the one who loves violence... He so hates. What I want to pick on there is the Lord test the righteous. You have not sinned. You have not done anything wrong. We are so quick to start digging. What did I do? What did I do? The enemy will use that to tangle you up. You've not done anything wrong. God doesn't see the way we see things. God doesn't see things. Thank God he doesn't see things the way we do. Because if he did, we would have written so many people, or we'll be all be shocked when we get to heaven. Those that we write off, we've been the first in the line. Psalm 105, verse 19. It says, Until the time that the word came to pass in Joseph's life now, the word of the Lord tested him. You are being tested because of the word of the Lord in you. You are being tested because you are righteous. I'm talking about the power to overcome troubling times. God has provided us tools to use. He has provided us with tools to use when things come against us that we feel are going to crush us. 
Revelations 12.1, I read it before. I'm going to read it now in the Passion Translation. It says, they conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb. It's a complete, complete conquering. Complete, not halfway. And that's what we're doing. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb and the powerful word of his testimony. They triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives even when faced with death. That's the key. That's the key. So right here we see that we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We can overcome by the power of our testimony. We can overcome when we are willing to go the last mile. Even if it means going to die. We are willing not to let go of what God has given us. We can also overcome and we do overcome with the help of the Holy Spirit. We overcome with the word of God. We overcome with prayer. But one thing that connects all of this together, which is what I'm going to be talking on. This has just been introduction, guys. One thing that really connects all of this together, that is the power tool that you need to overcome, is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. That's the power tool. Because you can speak like a parrot and quote scriptures. The devil knows scriptures and yet nothing changes. You can pray in tongues. We all, most people do, but nothing changes. You can pray, but while you're praying, they're not going past the ceiling. Nothing changes. But once you have an intimate relationship with God, once you know that you know that you know, nothing shakes you. Nothing moves you. Because you have a relationship with God. Daniel 11.32 It says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. That's a whole different message right there. We're seeing that right now. It's unbelievable. People want to be flattered. He want to tell you what you agree with. He want them to give you a word that titillates your flesh. Carnally minded to the core. And it's, it's going to cause a huge falling away. Because people are not ready to develop this relationship with God. Where is me and you, God? Speak to me, I'm listening to you. Direct me, I will go. Oh, I'm telling you. We need God. We need God, people. We cannot in these times do things on the surface. It's in the deep end that you find what you're looking for. Nobody goes to pick diamonds from the... If it was that easy, I'll be decked on all of, in, in diamonds this morning. It's not that easy. When you want that diamond, you know what you have to go through to turn that coal into that diamond? The pressure, the process, it's not an easy thing. 
I don't know where we all Christians got this idea that once you become a Christian, things should just be smooth sailing. The very emblem of Christianity is the cross. The very soul, the very core of what we believe in is suffering. Jesus says, die to yourself daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Where did we come up with this idea that things have to be rosy all the time? How can God use you if things are rosy all the time? I need to look at you and say, you know, she's gone through hell. But look at what she is. That is what attracts. That's the perfume that attracts. I don't know where we got this from. And so you come to church, you're believing God for something. It's not happening one month. God is not real. That church, they, they are preaching this, they are preaching that. It's not working. No. You just didn't walk the word enough for it to work for you. It says they will be corrupted with flattery. But then it says, but the people who know, that key word there, who know their God shall be strong, they shall have power, they shall have capacity, they can be stretched, they can go the extra mile, and they are the ones that will carry out great exploits. The Bible says great. When the Bible, sometimes the word is so, I mean, it tells you exactly. God says exactly what he means, and he means exactly what he says. When he says great exploits, he means great exploits. Amen? How do you know somebody? How do you get to know God? What, when we talk about know, what do we talk about? There are some of you here, if I say I know you, and then I say I know my husband, you know exactly that's not the same kind of no. Because I've lived with this man for 30 years. I know him. If you tell me my husband did this, this, that, I can tell you, oh yeah. Like the way he made all the, all the jokes and all, even if it's not funny, he just... <laughs> he thinks it's funny and I'm just like... He's the only one that understands his own jokes in my house. <laughs> so if you tell me some things about him, I'll tell you, yeah, yeah, that's good luck. But if you tell me some other things, I'll tell you, if you wake me up, and, uh, no, that's not my husband. Because I know him. That's the same kind of relationship. In fact, that root word, no, comes from a relationship between a husband and a wife, really. That kind of intimate relationship. Knowing God can never be what you've heard about God. Knowing God can never be what people told you about God. Knowing God can never be going from one prophet or whatever to the other, from one program to the other, to hear a word from the Lord. Knowing God is you doing some things, which we'll talk about today if we have time. If not, I beg pastor to let me take another Sunday. Things that you have to do for yourself. 
Nobody can know God for you. No one can know God for you. Now, strong, I already talked a little bit about strong. It means the ability to withstand great force and great pressure. And that's what we need to overcome troubling times. If you are not somebody who can withstand great pressure, who has the capacity to expand, you will not make it. We've had people come into church. Unfortunately, they have troubles. And before you know it, they're not in church. You find out, wow, that doesn't work. No. No. God was just trying you. You heard the word. And the word you heard and you received, God came and allowed the enemy to test you to see if that word would take root. And you're falling away. God is trying to teach you. God is trying. In God, the steps is a stepwise growth. Before God can use you, God has to trust you. Because he's going to put people in your life that you're going to influence. And if you cannot stand the pressure, you're going to destroy his children. So before God can use you, God has to test you. God has to... To ring you, God has to turn you upside down, shake you, make sure there's nothing of you left. So that when he brings that one person, and it could be for just one person. The ways of God blows my mind, people. I don't know about you, but can you even think of it? The other day I was reading, they said the stars have sockets in them. And if you look at the stars closely, it's like somebody put a light bulb in a socket. And I'm like, only you, God. Only you has a ladder that long to go that long and that far to just hang one star in a socket. I don't know about you, but that just blew my mind. Said you should do exploits for God. Exploit what are exploits? Notable skills. Notable feats, notable achievements. Have we done that? Have I done that? What have I done for the Lord in my years on earth? So could it be that God is allowing me to go through things at this end time because he knows I don't have much time? Have you thought about that? And so really, if you are a Christian and you are not going through stuff, you really need to go back and question your faith. That's just me. If you are a believer following hard after God and things are not happening to you, could it be that you really don't know him? Or you're really not even saved? Philippians 3.10, Paul, his greatest desire was to know God. He says that I may know Him, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Being conformed. When He tells me to die in this area, I'm conforming, I'm dying in that area. But His greatest desire was to know Him know him. Jeremiah 9:23 and 24 says, Thus says the Lord, this is very important, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. 
nor let the rich man glory in his riches. Huh. But let him with glories glory in this, that he understands and what? Knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. So he's saying your boast should not be in the big house you have. Your boast should not be in that degree that you have. Thank God for it and give God testimony, testify of the goodness of God. For your family, for your wealth, for the good things in your life, for your degree. But really, that's not your boast. Your boast, anyone, if you want to say, look at me, look at what I've achieved, let it be that you know God. That you have a deep and intimate relationship with God that is evident. It shows. Your glory must not come from physical things. Knowing God and and developing an intimate relationship with Him, that's the beginning, that's the starting point of everything. Because that's what will make the Word of God come alive to you. That's what will make the Holy Spirit become your closest friend. That's what makes your prayer have access to get it answered. That is the key and that's the power we need. And that's what is unfortunately lacking. We don't want to take the time to develop a relationship with God. We are so busy. Five things on at one time because we, don't even want, we can't even be quiet in our mind for five minutes. And to develop an intimate relationship with God, one of the things, and I will talk about it later, you have, it has to be very deliberate and very intentional. You have to turn everything off. You have to, <laughs> those thoughts you don't want to think, you have to deal with them. Let God deal with them so you can quiet your soul, like the Bible says, like a child that has been weaned. You can quiet yourself down. You don't need the, soccer, the, the, the pacifier anymore to keep you busy, you know? Why is intimacy with God so important? I hope you're getting something out of this. Second Corinthians chapter 12, 3 to 5. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. This was Paul talking about how he so developed a relationship with God. He was so intimate with God that one day he found himself caught up in paradise. And he was actually in the very throne room of God. And he heard things that he couldn't even say. The things were just way out of this world. He couldn't say them. So from here we can see that when you have intimacy with God, it gives you access, access. 
to things that other people don't have. That's one reason why it's very important to be intimate with God, to spend time with Him, have an appointment time set with God, a time every day where it's you and God. And sometimes you talk and sometimes you're quiet. Sometimes it's just to lay there and just let him hold you and take care of you. Sometimes it's to let him know what's going on, being very honest with him. Because he does know you. He knows you are just a human being. Being someone that you can talk to more than you can even talk to your best friend. Taking one word from him and just dwelling on that word to get the... I'm telling you, this last 12, 15 months, that have been the most stretching times in our lives, I can also tell you it's been the time that I have grown the most, where you can take a scripture and it's so profoundly comforting. So profoundly encouraging. And you're wondering, I I knew this scripture before. But then God takes that scripture just because you spent so much time with just that one scripture. The word of the Lord is proven. And you just that scripture alone and what you get from just that word. So when you have an intimate relationship with God... You begin to get access to things that other people don't have. And when you have some of those things, that's what gives you the power to stand tall. That's what gives you the power to overcome whatever it is that you have to overcome. Isaiah 55 verse 8. The Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When you are intimate with God, it enables you to operate more like God in your ways and in your thoughts. I'm telling you, heaven is talking about things that we don't even talk about here. And we are talking about things that heaven don't even glance at. Because if his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways, that means some of the things we're doing just don't mean nothing. And some of our thoughts that we just wear ourselves really out about, that's not what heaven is thinking about. Heaven has a completely different perspective. So what you see as trouble, what you see as crisis, God actually does see it as taking you to the next level in Him. That's how heaven is thinking. What you see as trouble, God is seeing it as an opportunity coming your way. What you see as crisis that you're just like almost blaspheming God about, He actually wants to use to build your strength so you can go the long distance with Him so you don't fall off. What you're complaining about, God is using it to find his purpose and his plans for your life. 
Like I said, sometimes you go through things and at the end you find out maybe it was just for this one person. I read the story of, of, of Billy Graham, of the lady that just took it upon herself to pray. That's all she did was pray for Billy Graham. She didn't even know why. Could it be that whole, that woman was created, her whole life was created? Just to pray and make sure this young man gets saved to do what he did? Could you have a child in your family that God allows you to go through all the things you're going through just because that child, God wants that child to see what it is like to see parents who can stand under pressure? So that when he becomes what he wants, God wants him to become, no pressure can destroy him because he's seen it in you. The ways of God cannot, it blows our mind. We can't even fathom it. So when you put all that in perspective, you begin to realize that it's when you really get to know him that you might get an inkling of how he thinks. And you might get some understanding that his ways are not your ways. John 16, 12 to 15, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and give it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Intimacy with God enables full operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible says, ears have not heard, eyes have not seen, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. He says, but it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can have access to them. The only way when you have intimate relationship with God, when you allow yourself to go that deep with God and to allow the Holy Spirit to have access, there's no obstruction between your spirit and his spirit. There's no access between your mind and your heart. You're flowing in the spirit. The spirit then begins to reveal those things that Jesus says you couldn't bear before. Because if you're not operating in the spirit, that's, that is still true for you. You can't bear what he has to tell you. But once you start operating in the spirit, then you begin to hear what he says. And then he begins to let you know and let you have what has been prepared and stored away for you. Hmm. This next one is a big one because this is where we all trip. I hope I have time. Luke 10, 38 to 42. Hmm. Now it happened, he's talking about Martha. We all know the story happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now Martha was distracted with much serving 
And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, listen to this. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. She wasn't just troubled about serving Jesus. She wasn't just troubled about the sister not helping her. It's like the husband and wife fighting over the toothpaste or the toilet seat. That's not the issue. You see a husband and wife fighting when they come for counseling and this one says, oh, he always. And this one says, she, she, she never. Like, he never or she never. There's no marriage where the person never or where the person always. What is the real issue? Martha's issue wasn't Mary not serving or not cooking with her. If it was us, what we would do is, okay, Mary, get up, get up. Go, go and help your sister. We can talk later. Jesus, no, he didn't do that. He left Mary alone and addressed Martha and said, you're worried about many things. 42. It says, but one thing is needed. One, one, one ver, um, translation says, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. One thing is needful. She chose it. You can take everything away, but you can't take that away from her. When you have a relationship, a deep, intimate relationship with God, you begin to have that needful thing comes into your life. You get that needful thing that Jesus talked about. Sometimes our busyness becomes or is really an issue or a symptom of something deeper. And that's what Jesus was telling Martha. You cannot sit at my feet like your sister. You're busy because you don't want to really face what's going on. And aren't we all like that? To sit at his feet and hear him, to sit down, submit, vulnerable, is a position most people don't want to take. And so when you're busy, this, that, that, you know, like... I was talking to my son, you know, you're playing music because you're studying, you have to have music playing, and then you're playing a video game, and then you're doing something else, you're doing like four or five things. It's because you don't really want to face, you don't want to let those thoughts, you don't want to deal with those thoughts. So the busyness really becomes a symptom of something that is deep there that you need to take care of. And that's what Jesus was telling Mary, Aunt Martha, you need to deal with that first. And the way to deal with that is to quiet your soul down. Sit at my feet. Submit to me. Quiet down. Listen to me. That is what you need. Because that place of intimacy with Christ is where everything really begins. Once you can submit to him, once you can be intimate with him, your rest begins. Your power begins. Your perspective, real perspective now, begins. But you have to be willing to sit. You have to be willing to quiet down 
and sit still. We were in the Sunday school class with Pastor Joy. And she said, we started practicing stillness. Where you, you might start with five minutes and then you make it 15, 30, you remember? That was the hardest thing to do. To turn your phone off, turn off the TV, everywhere quiet, just sit there for 15 minutes. It was hard. But if you begin to do it, and you stay with it, begin, you, you, you start noticing that there's a calmness that comes upon you. Distractions begin to go away. And when you now pray, it seems like all the debris that was in the way has just been cleared out. And there's this flow and this access that you never had before. So it's so important, like Mary did, for us to learn to sit at his feet. To get that needful thing that he talked about. Amen? Amen. Quickly. What does intimacy involve? What will it take for you to develop intimately a relationship, an intimate relationship with Christ? It involves time and diligence. It's not something that happens overnight. We cannot start today if you feel you don't have that. If you feel that you're already somewhere, but you can build on that, start today. It just takes time and a deliberate effort where you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to put 15 minutes of my day at this time just to spend with you, just me and you. Nothing, just me and you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 29, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Intimacy with God involves being open and transparent with him. Don't hide anything from God. He knows you, but he doesn't want you to hide anything from him. God knows us. The worst thing a human being can do in his presence is to be who you are not. Because you're going to go away feeling like you've not really had time with him. Let him know what you're struggling with. Be honest with him. God, this is hurting me. I'm in pain. Heal me. When you tell him what's going on, not give him an opportunity to go into that area to heal you and to bind you up and to make you whole in that area. So don't, don't hide yourself from him. Be tra- that's one person you can be transparent with. That's one person you can really tell what's going on in your life. And he will not judge or condemn you. Amen? Psalm 32 verse 5. David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Intimacy involves trusting God. I cannot stress this enough. You have to trust that God knows what he's doing. You have to trust that God did not deliver you to destroy you. That's what he told me last week. I didn't deliver you to destroy you. God will not do that. If you're going through pressure, trust that he knows the process is taking you through. There's a lot of meetings going on in heaven about us. A lot. These last days, a lot. I remember about a year and a half ago when uh, Brother Bill, on a Wednesday night, when we were doing prayer, 
I remember it struck me so much, and I don't know why until last Wednesday. We had, I think, eight or nine praise reports and only three prayer requests. And I don't know why it struck me. We have more praise reports than prayer requests. And this last, this last Wednesday, we had like, how many pages? Was it five or six pages of prayer requests? And almost like 90% of them, are, I mean, I'm not talking about just churchgoers, people that are believers. One thing or another, God reminded me, he says there's a lot of meeting going on in heaven. Satan is appearing before God. Did you see Brother Michael? Because you built a hedge around him. Let me go touch him and you'll see what will happen. That is happening a lot in heaven. If God will open your eyes to see it. Did you see sister so and so? See how she's just do something. Allow me to do this. And God will always say okay. But don't touch their life. Oh you built a hedge. That's why. When it's said and done. Can God boast about you? Can God said the meeting that was held, check, he passed the test. Check, she passed the test. Can God say that? A lot of meetings are going on about you, Pastor Al. A lot. And so whatever comes your way, you must, even if like the Bible says, hold on, even if to the end, I will die believing the word of God. I will die holding on to that scripture. Finally, intimacy involves having the mind of Christ. Everything I've said here will mean nothing if you are one of these two. The natural man or the carnal man? If you don't know, the natural mind or the natural man has not, no clue about God anyway. Everything about God is foolishness to the natural mind. The carnal mind knows God, but everything in their life is ruled by their senses by what they feel, what they can taste and see. So any little thing happens, they're here. Another thing happens, they're here. So they're like, the Bible says they're tossed to and fro like a wave in the sea. And the Bible calls the carnal mind a double-minded Christian. And it says, let that person not think they will get anything from the Lord. So if nothing at all you've heard today, your intimacy with Christ that will give you that power to overcome, you must put on the mind of Christ. You must not think like the world thinks. Because we've read in the Bible now that the ways of God are not the ways of man. The thoughts of God are not the thoughts of man. And so when you put on the mind of Christ, you don't think like the, the, all the other people think. When you put on the mind of Christ, you can see beyond what you can see. You can hear beyond what you can hear. You are a step above. Not too long ago, God told me that in this body, 
he was elevating some people. You were going to the next level, to the next level. And he showed me a ship as in a cruise where you go to the next level. And he said, when you, people, where you are, the higher the level you are, the more you can see. People that are in the belly of the ship, if you've ever been on a cruise, if you're in the belly of the ship, sometimes you don't even have that little window where you can see anything. You're just in the belly of the ship. You only come out once in a while to see everything. At the end of the day, you go back to the belly of the ship. So when you're in church, you get, like you get a little glimpse, then when you get back home, you're in the belly of the ship. And then there are some, they are level one, level two. They have that window where all you see is water, and you try to kind of see but it's just the waves. There are some level of Christians, kind of Christians that are like that. Occasionally, the spirit will move, but it's not clear. But when you're on the eighth level, on the ninth level, you have your own balcony. Tell me something. You don't even need to leave your bed. You just pull that thing and you can see far away. And that's what God says. Put on the spiritual mind. Be a spiritually minded person so that you can see far. So you can understand things. Before other people understand it, you've already seen it. When they come to you, you say, oh, I know. God already showed it to me. Because you are at a level, you are operating at a level that is way above the bottom level, the sheep, the belly of the sheep. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. I don't know about you, but I know that even me, as I prepare this message, I told God, I said, God, I'm going to do everything to know you more. I'm going to do everything to know you more, to know you more, because that's what matters. That's where I'm going to get my power from. To overcome the times that we are in, that's what I need. So if you're here, you're in agreement with me, raise your hand. And you better everybody, we need to all raise our hands because we all need this people, every one of us. We need to know him more. What we know of him now, good, but we can go deeper. The Bible says, deep calls unto deep. Father God, you see the hands of your children. Father, we just want to know you, that's all. We just want to know you. We want to know you so we can face whatever it is you want us to face. We want to know you so we can hear you and do what you've called us to do. When you created every one of us, you said, I have the plans that I've planned for you. You have plans for every one of us. And you said you want to bring us to an expected end. But we can only reach there, God, if we know you. If we are not derailed from your plan and your purposes. We want to know you, God. Father, help us to remove in our lives every distraction. Help us to be very intentional. Be it social media, be it being on the phone, be it television, whatever it is, video games. Help us, Lord, help us. Help us, oh God, to remove those things and help us to spend time, quality time with you. So you can speak to us. You are speaking, Lord. You are speaking. You've always been speaking. Our ears are just dull. We couldn't hear you. Lord, sharpen our ears to hear you. Like we said, Isaiah 50 verse 4. Let our ears hear you. Wake us up and let our ears hear you. Let us follow you, God. 
We give you praise today. We thank you that we have received something today that will transform our lives. Not just information, Lord, transformation. And to you be all the praise, and to you be all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. Let's bow our heads. If you're here in the house, you don't know the Lord. Or if you're watching by television, you don't know the Lord. What an awesome opportunity you have this morning. Not only to save, to be saved today, but to start developing an intimate relationship with God. If that is you, wherever you are, it's a posture in your heart. Just say, God, that's me. And I want you to say this after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you this day as my Lord and Savior. Father, I confess my sins. But I know that you said, if we confess, we forgive. So Lord, I receive you today as my Lord. Help me to develop a relationship with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for your people. As we leave the service and as we leave your presence here, in fact, you never leave your presence. You are always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Father, go before us in this week. Clear every path. Make every way straight for us, O oh God. Speak to us throughout the week. Lead us to those you want to lead us to, to speak a word into their life. And have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.